Colin's Last Stand Knockback is brought to you by, well, you. Knockback, in addition to the interview podcast series Fireside Chats and the weekly YouTube show dedicated to video games called SideQuest, is fan-funded over at patreon.com slash Stand. and without you, none of these shows would exist. If you like Knockback or any of what Colin's Last Stand does, please consider going to Patreon and showing your support. You can even get cool perks in return, like early access to shows, the ability to vote on future show topics, exclusive Q&As, and much more. Thank you for believing in Colin's Last Stand. Now, on to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Colin's Last Stand. Knockback, my name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined, as always, by my brother, Dagan Moriarty. Mom's second favorite. Yep, well, that's even debatable, I think, at this point. Son. Son. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Uh, This is episode two. We hope you enjoyed the Star Wars episode, specifically the Empire Strikes Back episode that went up last week. As always, and I'll remind you at the end of the show again, we're soliciting your feedback. We want it. We need it. So it sustains us. So let us know what you think of the show, good yes. or bad. And, uh, you know, we want to definitely continue to tailor and make this for you guys out there and gals out there. So please keep the feedback flowing. Digging, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm having a blast with this. Yeah, it's fun. We're, we're really having, having, we're having a, a great time. time. So let's see how much of a blast you have after this episode. All right. This, this episode is... Ranking the Nintendo consoles. Yes. Now, you and I were talking about the rules before. Yeah. The rule set. And it's yeah. interesting about, well, what would we include the handhelds? Would we, so, I actually right. got... It's funny. Uh, you know, I solicit questions, obviously, comments over at patreon.com slash Stand. If you're a $2 or up member per month, you get to submit questions, comments, concerns, you know, thoughts, memories to the show. I let you know the topics ahead of time so you can do that. And... Typically, we'd sprinkle those in during the show, maybe do some at the end. But there's actually a fair number of them that we need to read at the beginning because it's going to let us structure this episode. Absolutely. You down with that? Yes, let's do it. All right. So Jeff Caruso asks, for favorite games for each of the Nintendo consoles and why you like them and what what type of game, like, you know, platformers or whatever, shine the most on each console. So obviously, Jeff, that's going to be part... And really the most important and most essential part of the ranking itself. Yeah. So that's inherent. So you're going to get that. Absolutely. And, and so, and, and Dagan and I were talking before that I assume if this show goes on as long as we like it to, that we would cover each one of these consoles and handhelds in their own episode. So we would get, we would be able to do, I mean, an NES one between Dagan and I would probably never end. Um, <laughs> that so, could be a long one. So yes, Jeff, uh, favorite games will be covered okay. in this, in some respect, and will obviously play into the ranking. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll get into that. John Cordero says, when ranking the Nintendo consoles, I hope you rank the handheld as well. Well, we're going to do that. So that was our decision there. Good call. The only things we're leaving out are, you know, any Game & Watch iteration, you know, kind of pre-NES, pre-Famicom stuff. And that that stuff was also sprinkled in afterwards. So we're not going to include that. We're not going to include Virtual Boy. (laughs) Because Virtual Boy really is, it it doesn't really count. And I think I've played it like two times. So I don't even think I have anything to say about it. What's Virtual Boy? (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Virtual Boy fan. Dude, it's so funny because... It's such a cool thing, but... It was ahead of its time. But what's funny to me about that whole situation is it's one of those things I think back on where I'm like, I remember being in KB Toys. Okay. And you remember actually seeing it in the store? Oh, yeah. But I remember when it was like dying already and they were just selling them at like ridiculously low prices. Yeah, they were giving them away. And I was like... Why, you know, I was young. I, I think about this with a lot of things. I'm like, I wish I had the foresight to literally buy all of these because having this sealed would be so weird. And the same, I remember that with Atari Jaguar too, where they were selling them for literally, literally like 1999. Can you imagine? And having those? the only time I ever became cognizant of seeing something like that and springing on it was when I saw a bunch of unopened copies of 
bloodlines for Genesis, the Castlevania game. That's you know, I, an I, uncommon. I yeah. yeah, that yeah. was in like the early 2000s. Well, if you got some of those Jaguars, I think they're going for like 1650 now, mint in the box. Really? Sealed. Well, we're going to get into that in the retro gaming episode because I really... Like $16.50. Oh, you mean 16 I thought you meant $1,650. No. Oh, my God. No. fifty. Yeah. No, oh, so I'm, actually te- I'm teasing. I have no idea. I was going to say, no, well, you... Will, all right. I have no clue. All Whatever. Right, sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> and uh, Christopher Hopkins has an interesting question that I think is inherent and probably should be covered here. Okay. He says, how much does inherent nostalgia play in ranking classic systems? Oh, that... For instance, the N64 is my favorite, but it was honestly outclassed by the SNES and probably the NES. But I have the most memories on the N64 because of four-player games and games with his two brothers and sister, GoldenEye, No Mercy, Perfect Dark, Mario Party. Those are great games. It's uh, Nostalgia is going to play a huge part in it. Huge, huge. I Un- think, unavoidable. Yes. I think, Dagan, that for us this is going to be heavily nostalgic and there's no like objective list. So this no, is, and I don't think our thing. list is even going to be the same. I don't, I don't know about that. Let's see. Let's find out. So I think what we should do before we even rank them, I think the okay. ranking should come at the end and we can each, we can that. each take a moment and rank them at the end okay. and have our individual list. But I think we just walking through them, what we like and what we don't like about them and where we think they would probably end up somewhere on the list, some sort of tiering system we can probably do. That's perfect. So let's start with the NES. That makes the most sense because this yes. is the first. We'll go chronologically, generally let's speaking. Let's start at the very beginning. What is that? It's a very good play. Is that from The Sound of Music? I don't. Oh my God, I hate that movie, <laughs> but I love that movie. Well, it reminds so me much. of it reminds me of Dana, our sister, who was obsessed with it. And that might be, you know, you guys didn't get along very well when you were teenagers, so that might be part of the reason. <laughs> love you, Dane. All right. Okay. NES. Let's so do it. 60 million units sold. Wow, is that right? Yeah. That doesn't seem high. No, no, not at all. For the lifespan? Okay. Yeah, so all 60 right. million units sold. Okay. Uh, came out in 1983, obviously, as Famicom in Japan, 85 as the NES here in the States, and then yes. 86 it came out in Europe, but it wasn't really even very big in Europe ever. This, to me, unless you can make a case otherwise as we do this, would absolutely, unde- w- w- without question, definitively... Okay. Undeniably, be the number one one console on the list for me. It's number one. Yes, definitely. I know we haven't gotten there yet, but all right. So you you're not even just that's it over Super Nintendo. That's it. SNES not even a. Well, I mean SNES is great, but I I I just think oh by the way we got caught up on the Virtual Boy thing. Switch will also not be on the list. Right, that's right. Good. It's just we don't know we don't know enough yet. It's not there yet. Great, I love it, but it's it's uh, good so far. Yes. So okay, the NES for me. There are, when I think about these like fundament, the fundamental origins of these great Nintendo properties and yeah. great third party properties, a sure. lot of things started here. And I think about the long tail of many of these games, and I feel like in many ways, undoubtedly in the polygonal era, un- unrivaled and unmatched in terms of quality, in terms of breadth of quality. But even with comparing the SNES and then the handhelds, which I think are really up there. So we can, obviously the DS and the 3DS are from the polygonal era and, and even the GBA in a way as well. So I don't want to isolate those. I'm talking about console space. I really think the NES has just these amazing like tens or close to tens yeah. all over the place. I I hear you on that. Give, give us some examples. So think about The Legend of Zelda and The Legend of Zelda 2, you know, Adventures of Link. These are fantastic games, right? Agreed. The original Metroid. Fantastic game. Awesome. Kid Icarus. 
fantastic game. One of my all favorites. three Mario games, yep. fantastic games. Yep. All three Ninja Gaiden games, fantastic games. Got all it. three Castlevania games, fantastic games. You all can't... six Mega Man games, fantastic games. You're right. You have these one-offs like people, you know, I really love Faxanadu, Chrysalis. There's tons and tons of games that are even of the good tier. Yes. Now, you and I were talking before, there were some terrible games. Yeah. Terrible. They're so bad. And that's true for every console. Don't get me started. Yeah, I mean, we could, we, you know. Ugh. So, I, I, but just on first blush, at first blush, how do you feel about that? What do you have to say about the NES? I totally agree with you. I think the NES, when you're thinking about ranking the Nintendo consoles throughout history, yeah, it's got to be at the top or very near the top of the list. I'm a little bit more split between the SNES and the NES than you are, but we'll get there. You named so many classic NES games. I wasn't even, for, for, for some reason, I wasn't even thinking about Mega Man. Of course, the Mega Man, six Mega Man games. Not to mention all the classic Konami games. Yeah. Life Force, Contra, right? right? All the Disney Capcom games that sure. are amazing. Which were um, really recently bundled and released unexpectedly on yeah, that PS4 was so and Xbox cool, One. That was so cool. I couldn't believe they got the license oh, straight Oh, Capcom, for that. you're doing it so Thank you, Capcom. Yeah, they're, they're doing they're, it right, they're, That is a company in recovery, for sure. They really are. Mm -hmm. We could do a whole thing on Capcom. Oh, I'm sure we will. And then there's some other thing, you know, sleeper hits. You know, you could get into Blaster Master, The Guardian Legend. I'll get more into that game. Metal um, Storm. Metal Storm. I mean, games that were just really ahead of their time. That maybe got went a little under the radar even back then, but now have been recognized since in the retro gaming sphere. Yeah, man. It's just... And... and you know, growing up as a Gen Xer, my first home console, you know, before your time was the Atari 2600. The difference between having the Atari 2600 on your television screen and Nintendo was so, what a breathtaking difference. I mean, no comparison going from that. You know, Atari was awesome in its own right, too, don't get me wrong. But going from that, the Atari 2600 to the Nintendo, the 8-bit Nintendo was unbelievable. Yeah, I think it's just unbelievable and even now like appreciate we were talking about a little earlier like as a as a you know retro game collector like just appreciating the old games like i go out of my way to find games i never heard of and there's so many games there's over 700 games you know to find something i never heard of as a kid and grab it you know because usually they're cheap and they're bad but they're kind of just fun to have you know what i mean as a part of history you have them on your shelf you know yeah your collection of SNES or NES and SNES and Famicom, Super yeah. Famicom stuff is. We'll save that for the retro show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll talk about that. But more that's extent. But but that is your wheelhouse, and so yeah, I'm, I I'm, love it. So I'm, I'm I'm. We'll get to SNES like you said, and I'm super yeah. interested to make, for you to make your case for that console because I think there's a case to be made for that console. Oh my god! I think what NES really nailed was you know as simple as it sounds is the 2D platformer, the 2D side scroller. This sure. is what it does. Absolutely. And Th that is still the benchmark for great games that, you know, today that come out, Axiom Verge, Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight's based, you know, in many ways on on these classic, you know, Castlevania, Ninja Gaiden, Mega Man. Absolutely. You know, Axiom Verge is 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 heavily based on Metroid. Yeah. You can't deny in some sense that this belongs near the very top of the list. Now, we were talking oh, no. earlier, the, the letter from one of our, let me, let me make sure I get the, uh, the gentleman's name right. Please. A little piece of paper here. Mm-hmm. Christopher Hopkins was asking yeah. about nostalgia, and to me, it, it plays a heavy role in it. The NES was our, my earliest console, wasn't your earliest console. I remember yeah. us buying it, Yeah, and I have a lot of memories wrapped up in 
in that era and that time and playing that console. And I really loved it. So yeah, I understand why a person who picked up the NES Classic Edition, whatever the fuck they ended up calling it, and <laughs> sat two feet from their television because the cord is three inches long. Right. I understand why a 20-year-old today or a 15-year-old today might look at it and be like, I don't really get this. But I do. And oh, that yeah. doesn't mean that, that I'm better than you or I'm smarter than you or anything like that. It means that I just get it. I understand it. There's part of me, I like, I really love some Atari 2600 games. River Raid is actually one of, one of my favorite games. That's a great of game. Of all time. Like, that's, definitely top 25 of all that's time. That's an, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I love that game. That's awesome. It's just gameplay. That's a good game. It's a great game. Yeah. Very, it's a game. Very smart. But I don't, I don't really get the Atari 2600 like you do. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's just a generational and nostalgia. You have less experience with it. Right. Yeah. The, the Nintendo's, the 8 bit Nintendo's influence on gaming is undeniable even if you're too young and you don't really get it or you don't get i think kids are pretty kids are pretty cool now they're pretty steeped in tradition a lot of them if they're if they're half at least half smart they know you know they know where all these things come from and what it came out of and i think i mean you can't overstate that the influence that nintendo had it's and also just what you going along with what you're saying about atari gameplay and everything you know 8-bit nintendo was still in an era where gameplay and game design was still such an inherent part of the final product. You couldn't really rely on super sharp. It was, this was before cut million dollar cutscenes and you know bells and whistles and tricks and smoke and mirrors and everything. You had to make a game. The gameplay, the graphics were graphics were awesome. You look at a game like Ninja Gaiden, it's like what cutscenes and all that kind of stuff ahead of their time. But for the most part, the emphasis was also on the gameplay. The graphics were getting better. It was evolving, but it was on the gameplay. The gameplay was so important, the design of the game, how it worked. And they were still inventing it. It was so exciting. Even, even getting into the SNES, as much as I love it, now you're starting, to get a, you're starting to get more into graphics, scrolling, effects chips, extra things in the cart. Nintendo didn't have much of that. They might have started to just get into that with some of the Famicom stuff that did, wasn't released here. Right, like sound chips and stuff. Like right. Castlevania 3 sound chip exactly. was in Japan was more robust. I know people think I'm crazy when I say this, but maybe it's just because I'm used to it and I love Castlevania 3. Yeah. But uh, I don't think the soundtrack is better in the Japanese version. But, you but like, you I like the, the I like, I'm just used to our more tinny kind of bullshit. That we <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's, that's what you grew up with. Yeah, so again, it goes back to Christopher Hopkins' question of, yeah, nostalgia plays a role. So I think, yeah. you're right though, there, 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 is no, there is no smoke and mirrors, as you said, there's no way to hide the blemishes. The blemishes are there, the slowdown's there, you know, screen tearing and all these kinds of things that happen in these, you know, the, the limitations were huge. Right. The, I'm always amazed that Mario, Super Mario Brothers, not Mar the original Mario, but Super Mario Brothers, yeah. and Mega Man 6 are on the same hardware. That's interesting. If you look at that, if you look at those two things, or, or a game like Metal Storm, or, you know, something that was really evolved or came out late in the in the console's lifespan. Journey to Silius is another great Journey one. to Silius, great, good call. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's just amazing. Like, I feel like you see it with every generation. Look at, uh, if you look at the PS3 era, even the difference between Metal Gear Solid 4, which came out early, and Metal Gear Solid 5, which right. was the prologue, this cross-generation kind of thing. This is yeah. not the same hardware. It's a, or Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 3 on PS3. So, yes, there's a lot to explore there. I think that there are certain genres, like I said, that they nail. And I think that, you know, there are some games I even mentioned, like Zelda, that are not side-scrollers. Adventures of Link is, in a way. But then there are role-playing games, like, you know, the original Final Fantasy is a great game. All four Dragon Quest games are super awesome, you know, if you're in a nerdy kind of Good grinding. Call. yeah. So I think Dagan, at the very least, we have to we have to I think acknowledge the NES towards the top of our list. Oh, but absolutely, 
But uh, so th- so that's that with the NES. And yeah. I'm really interested now in moving on to the SNES. For okay. You. Okay. I want to hear your case for the SNES actually okay. before I even say anything. So why don't you? Uh, okay. Well, I I'll talk about something with the SNES that might be a little that might help in its favor, maybe a little unfairly. As you know, the NES got off to really inauspicious beginnings with me because people won't even believe this. My first three NES games that I bought at the store were some of the worst games ever made for the console. And it just happened to be, you know, back then, as you guys know, like it wasn't like I could look up a game on YouTube and see, oh, let me see the Let's Play or let me check out the review. Like it was like maybe a blurb in Nintendo Power and you took a shot. And they were 50, 60 bucks. Right. It's a lot it's a lot of money. Let me let me let me see if I can guess those games. Okay. Guess them for me. It's Deadly Towers for sure. Yes. Athena. Yes. A boy and his blob? No. That's I, a good I guess. actually like a boy and his blob. We did own that one as yep. well. Just ter- we had terrible luck with guessing the games. I don't know what the hell I was doing. What is the third then? one? So we got that we got the actions, the what, the control deck set, which right. just came with the Mario packing because it didn't have the light gun and duck hunt. So we had the control deck and the two controllers and Mario that came, Super Mario Bros., which came with. And then that day when we got the console, I got Deadly Towers. And then my next two games were Athena and Urban Champion. Ooh. Dude, these were three. So the fact that Nintendo even could, that my whole Nintendo experience could even recover from that terrible start is insane. You almost bailed the Master System. Oh, my God. I got off to a much better start with the SNES. So with the SNES, Final Fantasy 2 slash 4, one of my favorite games of all time. Maybe my favorite game of all time. Excellent game. Oh my god. Lots of memories so tied good. in with you with that I game. I can't say enough. Yeah, yeah. And I think Castlevania 4, Super Castlevania 4. Another great game. Another great game. Super Metroid. Yeah, another great game. These are Neither all... of those I think are better than their NES iterations, but that's my take on it. That's that interesting. That's crazy. I I Super Metroid I'll say the Super Metroid criticism for another time. Okay. Go on. Go on. That'll be good. That'll be good. That'll be a good discussion actually. Um, these are all games that I played relatively early on with the, when, after I got my SNES, which I'm not sure how long after it came out that I got it. I was usually a little, at least six months behind, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, games like F-Zero, stuff like that. So it got all, and the SNES was striking. Link to the Past. Link to the Past was one of my first, maybe my first game actually. Yeah, and also probably that's pretty close between Link to the Past and Final Fantasy IV for my fa- two favorite games. And I think a lot of my favorite games live on that Street Fighter, but that came out later, Street Fighter Two, the Super Nintendo port. A lot of my favorite games live on this console. I'm a big 2D guy. I'm an animator, a 2D animator. I always wanted to do that. I was always drawn to that. So for this is when graphics started to get hot. You know what I mean? This is when things started to look started to look really beautiful, and that has a big as you know, I guess as an artist, that has a big part to play with me. But also, the cool thing, the striking thing about the SNES was the gameplay went along with how beautiful the things looked. Um, and I'm not just talking about parallax scrolling and the Super FX chips and Star Fox's polygon thing that they were pushing. And as the technology was blossoming, I'm just talking about and the Mega Man X games one through three, which are just like yeah, they're awesome. Um, I mean amazing games i have a memory of Mega Man x when you came to visit us in yeah Maine i remember we that. were like snowed in or something we yeah when we had that game and it was yes like, we were like obsessed with it i remember yeah that's when we beat it yeah the we, first time yep uh especially the first Mega Man x game it's just such a special game it's so beautifully done 
and I think about we were well, we were talking about a little earlier, and I don't know if it's fair because Nintendo, Nintendo proper as a company, we're still working things out with the NES. So I was saying, I don't know, like how can we rate these? Can we rate? Can we have a ratio of good games to bad games? You know, take the entire library into consideration, and then say, okay, like can we rate the good games versus the, what's the ratio of good games to bad games? But that's probably a little unfair, especially if you get into Nintendo's, you know, unlicensed games hijinks. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, maybe we don't want to go there. No, no, definitely. Well, you know? well, late NES and, and late NES had a lot of weird ones like Bible Adventure and, um, and the Tension games, which are actually not bad. But then the uh, SNES, I think, was looser with licensing. Yes. So there was a lot of like random. There was just a lot. I mean, NES had a lot of random shit on it and a lot of license shit on it. But yeah, SNES, I, what I remember about SNES was how many games still I encountered it today where I'm like, I have no idea what this is. Yeah. Or, or or it's, you know, it's some license, you know, home improvement game. There's like yeah. literally stuff like that on the console. There right? is a lot of that. You're right. There is a lot of that. That feels kind of shovely. But yeah, it's yeah. not like as bad as Wii. I mean, because with Wii, we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But no, you're absolutely right. There was a lot of that. What else? I mean, what? I mean, we haven't even gotten into like really the you know, the Earthbounds, Chrono Trigger, sure. Final Fantasy VI, sure. Secret of Mana. You take any one of those games, you have to put them up there with best video game of all time. It's for me. I mean, a lot of it is nostalgia because the Super Nintendo came out when I was late in high school and helped me through a, a tough period because I was, you know, as you know, like an avid skateboarder. I had a really bad break. I broke my arm really badly. And I was in the hospital for five days, actually. And I couldn't skate. And mom and dad were like cracking down, like you, you can't do this anymore. You're getting ready for art school. You know, you're not gonna be able to move. You know, you, you're lucky. You know, and the Super Nintendo, along with anime, was like two of the things that like saved me when I had to be inside. And so that I was, I'm always deeply nostalgically drawn to it for that. But just, just beautiful, and still one of my favorites. And then you know, uncovering the Super Famicom and the things that didn't come out in the United States, especially as an anime and and manga fan. You know, for me, it's very hard between the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo because they, they bring different things. And I don't even know if you could judge with much parity because they, they're, it's really different eras of, an, of a company that was at different times. You know, Nintendo was kind of on top of the world with the SNES. With Nintendo, they were, but they had to get there first. So that's interesting. But for me, yeah, those are, those are the two. That's the two the knockout two knockout punches right there. I think so. I mean, I I, I think I'm gonna make a case for a few other things okay. on the list that okay. I think deserve. Again, I already said that NES I think would be number one, but SNES would be up there for me. I think we'll get into a couple other things that I think should be considered or I would consider. Again, there is no objectivity here. Yeah. So we have to take that into consideration. Okay. I think I said about NES. What I said about NES is that it, it did that one thing right, right? Or it did right. that like one thing. I don't want to say it's just one thing right. It did that one thing better than anyone that has ever done that one thing, which is yeah. the side scroller, the two D game. And to be more specific, not the two D game. They're all two D games. The two D side scroller, as we understand it. Sure. And there were other things that it did pretty interestingly, like that had some interesting prototypical JRPGs on them, and, and yeah, uh, some other you know interesting action games and, and different perspectives that were shown. You know, games like uh, Spy vs. Spy and Shadowgate's Port and all those kinds of things are even first-person games. So there's there's interest that that's interesting. But to me, the SNES, you brought it up. It does role-playing games. Now, I've often made the argument that PS1's role-playing era from '95 to 2001 or so is far superior, and I and I and I I, I believe that because that was at it, that was when JRPGs went mainstream. So there was just a great. These games were already being made. 
and shoveled out in Japan, but right. they were getting ported now. They were taking the time to translate them. The translations weren't always good, but they'd come over. I had a bajillion role-playing games on PS1, probably 50, like straight up. There's so many good ones, too. And yeah, there's like games that people never talk about anymore. Yeah. Thousand Arms. Fantastic game. Oh, my God. But then we talk about the games that are obviously on that console, and I don't want to get turn this into a PlayStation co- uh, conversation, but Wild Arms is one of my favorite oh games Oh, my of all God. Time. I love that game. So beginning and end, lots of good stuff there, but you, you brought it up. I mean, there are... There are a lot of role-playing games or role-playing inspired games or games with role play, you know, so-called role-playing elements. And I don't like that term generally because Madden is a role-playing game under those circumstances. So I, right. so I understand that that term is a little loose, but I think you understand what I'm saying. So totally, totally, of course. Final Fantasy 2 um, and Final Fantasy 3, which are 4 and 6, but four we knew that was 2 and 3. Yeah. Final Fantasy 6 is arguably the best game of all time from, I from might, my perspective. I would agree with that. Now, I don't know that I would take that hard line on it. It's definitely top 5. I think that there are other... All time, uh, on any console you're Yes, absolutely. Uh, I agree with it you. It would be up there for me with Wild Arms, Mega Man 3, Symphony of the Night. It's a good list. You know, I don't know what else. That's a good list. And then newer games like Bioshock and stuff like that. So Right. That's a significant portion of the SNES experience for me was that. Yeah. I will say this, and I know that some people will disagree with this, and I think you can make this claim in a greater way about Genesis, is that, and I know this doesn't resonate with you, is that SNES was the first console that had great sports games. You know, NES had some, I, I don't want to say, it's the first one that made regular or had regular, I should say. Yeah. Sport. So on NES, games like Baseball Stars, which was fucking awesome right that was a fantastic an incredibly deep game way ahead of its time Bas- yeah an and, awesome and, and, and an nes game that let you make a season and characters and teams and all that kind of stuff and saved it that's huge years before ea let you do that on 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 future generations right put batteries in their console you know right and it, people forget nhl 94 and i think nhl 90 93 94 and i think 95 didn't even have batteries in them you couldn't even do seasons those are, that was years later so i'm not saying that nes didn't have this they and double some, double dribble and blades of steel you have to bring up yeah double dribble is great and blades of steel is really special and i even think that like you know you can even make a case for like ice hockey it's like a quirky you know the nintendo made the one, black which box. is kind of quirk, which yeah. is kind of quirk you know kind of quirky but the ea That's sports fun. lines specifically are really find a home and a place on Genesis and SNES. And I know that people slant towards Genesis. They they prefer those versions. I don't yeah. really see it like that. I, I, see, I think they're pretty much the same, actually. It's I just agree. that Genesis, frankly, had way fewer good games. So it was something that stood out for that console. So I understand that. So I want to give a shout out to that because that's a huge component of SNES to me that was really important. I, I obsessed over the NHL games. I, was, I got those games. I got NHL games on SNES well until like 1997. Did you really? Even after I had PS One, because I hated the polygonal look at those new games. Ah, see, because they were yeah, they felt much yeah, different. like they were they were more realistic for the time. But they yeah, were. so I want to give a shout out to that. So we have the role playing games, we have um, we have the sports games, and I think yeah. that there's other interesting ideas going on there. There are obviously great side scrollers. One game you failed to mention, which I was surprised, although I didn't think of it until r- more recently when you were towards the end of your of your discussion about this, was Super Mario World. Oh my god, of course. Which which is another of one of the great games of all time. And I think Agreed. easily up there with Mario 3, but certainly easily from my perspective the best. Side scroller One of Mario. my favorites, for sure. Yeah. So there's that, Link to the Past, one of my favorite games again, Link Act Razor. Act Razor is a huge one, you have to say that. You know, and then obviously the Mega Man X games, there's a lot of great stuff on there. So I would I would And good I, arcade ports. Yes. The first time we're seeing good real arcade ports, the Turtles games, Final Fight, all that stuff, right? Yes. Anything Capcom did with it, basically. So there's a lot to love there. Do I think that it's better than NES? No. I mean, I, I, but again, this gets into more subjectivity. Yeah. Because I think objectively, you could say, yeah, the SNES was superior, probably from many perspectives, had a better catalog. I just don't know 
that it resonated with me as much. That's interesting. And so just to give it, just to put it, think about that, you know, so SNES, we were talking about, you know, NES doing around 60 million units. SNES actually did around 50. Okay. And that was because it had just increased competition from Genesis. Genesis. It actually had a competitor. NES didn't have a competitor. It had Master System, which it was outselling, you know, something like seven to one. Yeah. Or more than that, probably. I think probably more than that. And SNES came out in Japan in 90, and then 91 is when we got it. That was when it came to the States. And 92 was when it came to Europe. So, okay. So this is a console that's getting up there in age. I mean, if you're 25 years old, 24, 23 years old right now listening to this, you might have never played this console, and that would be yeah. totally realistic. But this was a huge part of it. And actually, I remember getting Link to the Past for Christmas and really, really being quite smitten with that game. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Really it's it's so good it's so engaging and when they when they you know when they released i personally i know a lot of people were celebrating i personally felt this way that when they released link between worlds on 3ds i was like what is this playing it i was like this is like being in an old town that i haven't been in in a long time like an old something like that and it almost felt like yeah like sacrilegious and wrong that's funny that's funny that's how you felt about that yeah because it 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 belonged in a different era and a different time on a different console and, and link to the past reminds me of super nintendo I don't think I don't think any one game got it better than that game on that console. I mean, it was just so beautiful. Yeah, there was just like a magic to it. The graphics, the game I, for gameplay. I don't know if it could get any better than that. I mean, the between the, the just how you control the character, the menus. It's seamless. It's just seamless. It's such a joy. It's such a visual joy. Everything about it, you know. Uh, yeah, I that game is that that game is you have to put that up there with the, one of the best games of all time. I know a lot of people do. It's it's commonly said, but for a reason. I mean, it's just it's just gorgeous. Yeah, it's a special game. Now, I said I wanted to go sequentially. We're going a little unsequentially here. Okay. Um, I wanted to kind of pair NES and SNES in those conversations together. But I want to jump to Game Boy now. Game Boy obviously came out in 1989, uh, Japan uh, and the and the states. I think actually too in 90 later. Okay. Uh, for Europe. And 115 million units or so wow. sold. So, this is a this is a uh, powerful console or a uh, handheld rather that it's has a, a lot of memories. And what I'm so fascinated by, by the way, it's worth noting that we're including Game Boy Pocket and Color in, in this with the Game Boy, right? OG Game. You Boy. know, in terms of numbers, in terms of kind of memory. And when you think about it from that perspective, it was relevant and on the market for something like 12 years, 13 years. It was always what a lifespan. What's funny about it is it's always, it, even when it was released, it was somewhat antiquated. It was monochrome yeah. and not backlit. And it was competing against, it's funny because it, it's almost like the Vita versus the 3DS all over again, where you expect or think that the Vita just has the upper hand in every way. But the 3DS, this little machine that lacks power and Scrappy. it's kind of flimsy and yeah. it's still better and people love it more and it just has a people have an attachment to it it was similar to what was going on back then with the game gear and that's interesting you're right and uh you know other you know right up on through the wonder swan really and other things that tried to compete with it where right. it just didn't go away and right. what's what's funny about it to me digging and i don't know if you remember this is that it just seemed quiet like it wasn't really until its last three third of its life probably or maybe even quarter of its life where yeah. it really got loud and that was with pokemon and then when they released mm. game boy pocket and game boy color and it lived again good point you wouldn't have been life. blamed 
in 95, 96, you wouldn't have been blamed if you didn't even know the Game Boy was existed anymore. I, I mean, that's I, interesting. Even even reading, you know, I had a Nintendo Power subscription that forever. The Game Boy games were coming out, but they were just unimpressive. It didn't seem like anyone cared about them, and, and they were it, relegated to a small portion of the magazine usually. Yeah, yeah like it, it, you know, like 89, 90, 91, 92, there was like a big portion, and then it kind of got quiet. It got there were games like down. Link's Awakening and stuff that came out. But when you think about a lot of the really marquee titles, that they're kind of like flanking the system. You have like Tetris early on, yeah, and you know Metroid Two is early on, yeah. And stuff like that kid icarus is early on and then you have stuff at the end pokemon and then like the kind of the enhanced games that only worked on game boy color i bought my game boy i think in 1993 i bought it with Mega Man 4 and for people that don't remember there were five Mega Man games on game boy and they were these weird ports of the of the games that, yeah. that were splicing two of the Mega Man games from the nes together and so you would Mega Man one was not like that but two three and four like two was half two and half three Three was half three and half four, and yeah. four was half four and half five. Yes, and then five was a unique game. That was that a was game a whole Boy. different five. Right, so confusing. Yeah, it was weird, but they were great. Yeah, and good uh, games. there's an interesting story. I don't know if it's true that they were, they call those games were called Mega Man World in Japan. Oh, and okay. Rockman World, and they were going to release a Game Boy collection similar to the the collection that they released for the NES. Uh, games and S and SNES games and PS1 games when they released the Mega Man collection back on PS2 and GameCube. Okay. And apparently the original, I don't know if they've located them since, but apparently the original ROMs of all of them are like missing. Oh no. So like people have dumped the ROMs, the games exist, but they Capcom couldn't find the originals. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's scandalous. So the collection was canceled. KG. <laughs> yeah, he walked out with them. So what do you, what do you think about Game Boy? I think that it deserves incredible accolades. I think the problem for it is that the handheld offerings of Nintendo are so strong and the things that I think we might be forgetting about as we're ranking the NES and SNES so high that I think Game Boy, out of the handhelds, the four handhelds, families, yeah. are, is the weakest. It's the weakest, but it did usher in the whole age, almost single-handedly, of like handheld gaming. I mean, real handheld gaming, not an L, you know, a, you know, not in those like LCD, tiger, those tiger, not games. the tiger right. electronic games and not, you know, the game and watch games. I mean, an actual handheld. It could be a generational thing. I'm a Gen Xer. So by the time the Game Boy came out, I was already older, but I never liked it because I couldn't see it and it frustrated the hell out of me. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I have one as a retro game collector in retrospect. Of course, I have one and some games, but I was never into it as a kid. And it was hard to make a case for it as an older kid, a more sophisticated kid, just because you're older, versus the game, something like the Game Gear, which was essentially a, ma- a handheld master system, right? A f- it was full color. Yeah, it was. It was really. I mean, it was an eight bit. They released system. the Nomad later, which literally was the Genesis. But yeah, it was somewhere. The Nomad was, was the Genesis. Yeah, it literally was the Genesis. And the, maybe the Game Gear the, was the game. No, I was gonna say the Game Gear is like in the space between. Like it was getting ports of NES games and Master System games, but it was also, I think, getting like I think there was like version of Sonic on it. Yeah, pair, there was. So, there was. but there was a version of Sonic on Master on System. Master System too. So, it, so. It, I think it was in that space between. Like Game Boy was not in the space between. Game Boy was demonstrably weaker than the NES, right. which is incredible because that's early 80s technology, but it was the best they could do in that yeah. that, that, that kind of compact package. I But I think you have to just give it a lot. You have to give it an asteroid. You have to give it some accolades for just being first, for being so you know influential and really ushering in handheld gaming into the United States, into North America, you know. Um, but of course, the versions that came later that we're going to get into are much improved. They're much improved and they're just... They didn't go away. Like they, it's funny that Nintendo's theme is typically like uh, on the 
console side, something more like innovation. There's some yeah. sort of perk or or gimmick in some respect. And yeah. then on the handheld side, it's something more of like reserved power and this ability to just make the, the, the handheld sticky. Like yeah. people just wouldn't put them down. They won't stop playing them. 3DS right. is, and we're going to get obviously get into 3DS, but it's, it's, that's well said. It's the most recent example. Like they just, you brought your 3DS. You, were, you I yeah. saw it before. I'm like, what is yeah, this? Because yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that new iteration of it. You know, that thing came out. You know, not you know, it came out like six years ago now, and it's it was really underpowered then. Right. And it's not really very impressive from a hardware perspective. But not just at all. People play it. Right. It's just fun. They rely on IP. It's it's very Nintendo. Yep. You Absolutely. Know, quality. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. Okay. Now let's jump back. Now that we've gotten the Game Boy family out of out of the way, so that really brings us through the '90s in terms of the handheld. Uh, we can jump back into the '90s and get to the N64. Now, Nintendo 64 about 33 million units sold. Uh, okay. Came out in '96 here and in Japan and '97 in Europe. To me, the N64 is incredibly unimpressive. I think it's it's people have to understand that this is relatively speaking. Like it doesn't mean that N64 didn't have great experiences. It doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy N64. I had like 25 N64 games, so it's not okay. like. It's not like that's not a cheap investment when you're in no, high school. That's a decent. So library. so so it's not like and I had all the weird ones, you know, the, I, I, and I was a big fan of some of the games that people derided. I loved the Castlevania 64 games. Like I thought those games were way underrated. I didn't understand why people didn't like them. That's they were funny. Fine. I never played. I never played. I never played those games. Uh, I love. How uh, many are there? I thought there was only one. There's two. Uh, oh, I didn't know there was Castlevania two. 64 and then Legacy of Darkness. It's basically. Like the same oh, OK, games, right, right. Obviously, they have these classics like what I think is a really good version of Pilot Wings, which was one of only two launch games, but also uh, Mario 64. And then and then you get, you know, obviously you know, Perfect Dark and GoldenEye. GoldenEye. Major shout out to Mario Golf, which is an exceptional game. And I think actually Toadstool Tour and GameCube is even better. But Mario Golf is like the best Mario sports iteration. And they just kind of, okay. you know, stopped making them except for that 3DS one like a few years ago. The N64 had its experiences, but the yeah. N64 had massive problems. When I look, you know, I'm looking at the list of, of consoles now. It's going to be down there. In like the lower third, Interesting. for sure. Okay, I was primarily a PS One person. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what games I, what I had at launch. Me too. Oh, for N sixty four. Yeah, like, well, and Mario was a pack in, right? Yeah. Mar- well, yeah, it was. There was only two games available for N sixty four. I'm just rem- trying to remember. I don't, I don't know. It's 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 so distant now. But around that period, okay, because um, I was more of a PS One guy, and so we had the you know getting the N sixty four and. The beauty of it was it was the first example of what we still have today, which is the exclusives machine. And this is when this is when Nintendo started to wear that, you know, or Nintendo fans started to kind of proudly wear that on its sleeve. Like, this is my exclusives machine. This, yeah. This is the this console that's not going to have the hottest third party games. This right. is the console that's not going to really even look the best, but it's going to have these Nintendo experiences. Yeah. And you want to play Mario? Game. You're going to do it here or nowhere exactly. else. Exactly. Yeah. And there's no there's no shame in that. And for me. The N64 had some really great experiences right on to the very end. Majora's yeah. Mask was a really great oh, way to end the console. Such a good game. And, you know, Fall 2000, that was the same time PS2 came out. I remember I remember buying Majora's Mask around the same time that I bought my PS2. And I love that game. It was a great game. It's, it's actually my favorite Zelda game. Favorite of all, yeah, of all of them? Of all wow. Them. Wow. Cool. I love so, it too. There's a lot of special stuff going on on the console, but... The cart, the decision to go to cart, and this is what I was saying about Nintendo making quirky and weird decisions. Yeah. This, is, this was a weird decision. It was. It inflated the price of games. So you were basically, for people that don't understand, N64 games, if you can get an N64 game for $50, which was really the standard price for a PS1 game, then you were doing pretty well because N64 games get real expensive. And not as expensive as Fantasy Star 4 on Genesis or something like that, which was $100. Yeah. But they were expensive. 60 or $70 for an N64 game was not unheard of. $80. 
and depending on the chipset, it was just a weird thing. So they were making more expensive games that looked way worse than a lot of PS1 games, and a lot of and they were they didn't have any space on them. To, yeah, to, expensive to produce. Yep, it was a it was just a them. huge mistake and a terrible controller. Oh, and it's funny oh because God, it's the worst controller ever. Where did I? There it is. So we have this question, and Michael Ferrari says, "What do you guys think of the Nintendo 64 controller?" I hear a lot of people complain about it, but as bizarre as it was and is, I thought it was incredibly comfortable at the time. I really enjoyed using it. I think, and I don't know if you agree with this, Dagan, but I think the N64 controller is a tale of, it's like two tales that are being told. One's really quite innovative and one's really quite annoying. Okay. I'm going to tell you what I think of the N64 controller. Okay. Why don't you tell me first? Thumbs down. Yeah, I'm just giving you the thumbs down. Thumbs down. down. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's the worst Nintendo controller by a mile. And we could do a whole nother episode on controllers. It's gross. But... Any, I, I remember grabbing it and holding it the way you think you would hold the controller, which is on the sides, but you're not supposed to hold the controller like that. You're, you hold the controller asymmetrically. It's the first controller that's not a joystick. Right. Like an Atari joystick. Right. Where you're holding it asymmetrically. You're holding it like this. That's how you hold the N64 controller. So what I'm doing for people that obviously can't see because it's an audio podcast is your hands are almost at 90 degrees from each other. You're not holding it parallel. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. You're hold, you grab the middle of it, and yeah. then you grab the right side of right, it. Right, right, That's right. how you play. If you're playing... But I remember grabbing the controller for the first time and holding it like on the sides, being like, right. why can't you hold it like and that? And you can't have any leverage that way. I see what you, you mean. You can't reach the joystick in the middle. You so can't that's, do anything. That's the other edge. That's the, the more pleasant edge of it, is that it was there was a joystick on it. Yeah. There was there was a, a, an analog stick, really, of... of that's how we play today. To this yeah. day, it was it, for them to say like we're not using a D-pad. 3D inherently requires you to have more degrees of motion than eight. Yeah, there's more nuance to it. More that's subtlety. a that's a super innovative thing. That is, and also having the trigger underneath, so you're basically holding it with your left hand like a gun. That's true too. So there's something about that that's interesting, but it's when you compare it to you know the NES controller and the S, especially the NES controller, not the dog bone, but the original rectangular controller. Yeah is super ergonomic, but it makes sense. That's a really simple and elegant design. And the SNES one obviously had that ergonomic circular kind of thing that didn't hurt your hands as much. No, that was the first beautiful controller. N64 controller is just really, it's just bad. That's interesting. It's it's teched out. But you know what, though? I, on closer examination, in retrospect, I could see a six-year-old that's just coming into gaming. They probably loved it because they didn't, they didn't come from the dog bone controller or, you know, the D-pad with a two-button, you know, model that they're jumping into that so if you grew up with the n64 as your first console i could see you liking it well what do you so what do you have to say about the n64 generally i mean what is your uh, i what is your take on it? my experience with it was i had a really big gamer friend in college who got one at launch um i had the playstation at that time and i was super into it i wasn't really interested in the n64 at all I think we were kind of looking forward to Final Fantasy VII at that point, or was Final Fantasy VII already out? I forget. But that was my preoccupation. Well, if you, bought, was, it at, if you bought it at N64 at launch, Final Fantasy would have come out the next year. Okay, so that's what we were looking at in the magazines. Oh, look at these images. you got the, the cool, like, Barrett and Vincent. You know, we're, like, looking forward to Final Fantasy VII. We're looking forward to all the PlayStation stuff. So he got one at launch, and he had Mario 64. And... I thought it was fun, but I it was new. It was a new thing. It was this, you know, sort of this blocky. We were looking at it from a critical perspective, maybe more critical eye than most people would look at it because we were in art school and we were like, you know, the art snobs. Like, oh, this is kind of polygonal and blocky. It looks all right. Like, it was fun. It was super fun. And then um, he also had, 
I don't know when Goldeneye came out in um, regards to the launch, but he at a certain point he had Goldeneye, and that game was I think, the first. I think Goldeneye is ninety eight. Is that ninety eight? Maybe it's earlier than that though. Yeah, I don't know. I forget, I but I do remember so I playing like... that at his house, at his apartment in Philly, and that was the first game. Besides maybe something like when we played like three player Secret of Mana or something, where I was like, re- we were like, we plugged all the controllers in and go at it. And that game, Goldeneye, Goldeneye was a special game. That was the first, you know, first person shootery, if you could call it that, game that kind of took me in because I was never a Doom guy or anything like that. So that was the first game. And that was also big on N64, right? What was Doom? Doom sixty four was another big thing, right? That was I don't know. Big. I don't know how big it was. I because th- there was a Doom port on SNES, and oh, a Wolfenstein port on SNES. Oh, I didn't know that. The cartridge oh, was red. Oh, that's and uh, just like Maximum Carnage's cartridge, I think Doom's cartridge was also red. Ah, that's but yeah, I don't know. I didn't play Doom sixty four, so I don't. Okay. I, I don't recall that being big, but it might have been. Might because I, I think the more proprietary shooters were what were big on there. So yeah, particularly uh, Goldeneye and Perfect Dark. But I never owned one. I got one as a, you know, again, as a retro collector. You know, I, I said, let me get an N64 and some of the games I really enjoyed on the console over the, its lifespan, like Majora's Mask, which was like, that game just blew my mind. I, I loved that game. I mean, that game, you know, like a Zelda game with a darker tone. It, it, it was so it was so neat. And also, the N64, I, I hear, because I'm not a big wrestling fan, but that had a, a barrage of wrestling games, right? So if you were a wrestling guy... That was like a big thing on the N64, correct? Yeah, it was. The, the, and that's what Christopher Hopkins said. We're refer- referencing him a lot. But okay. One of the games he brought up was No Mercy, which is considered like one of the great wrestling games of all time. Okay. And I think there was WCW versus NWO. I, don't, I think that's a different one. I'm not a huge wrestling fan either, but yeah. I know uh, the way Greg used to talk about, you know, he's a big wrestling fan and the way, you know, a lot of friends would talk about it. That was the, the go-to thing for those games. Yes. Not that they didn't exist on other platforms. That was a big thing for the N64. And then, are we forgetting anything? I feel like we're forgetting one or two key games. Well, yeah, there's. I mean, there's. I mean, there's a lot of games like Jet Force Gemini's on there, and Banjo Kazooie's on there, and and you know, like there's a lot of these quirky, either character-driven games. Oh, sure, Banjo, of course. Yeah, like there's there's a there's a lot. I was uh, like strangely partial to uh, the Doctor Mario, the very late released N sixty four Doctor Mario game, and there's a lot of like Doctor Mario is like one of my favorite NES games. Actually, probably should have brought that up earlier. But I, I just love the simplicity of that puzzle. It's just it's uh, simple to understand, but hard to master. Super fun. So yeah, there's this there's this element of you know, and sixty four had this this I don't know this this library this limited library of great games, and I think they were truly great games, must play games. But when you stack it next to PS one, I don't understand how anyone can see that any differently than the PS one just destroyed it. It had a and, lot less games than. The previous consoles, yeah, there were right? there were quite there were way fewer games, yeah, the way like N sixty because people didn't want to make cartridges, they didn't, and they didn't, and developers didn't want to be limited by what the N sixty four could and couldn't do, and particularly what it couldn't hold in terms of of game size. You know, Square Square Soft at the time didn't want, you know, it was assumed that Final Fantasy would be on N sixty four, and they and they made a, a demo of it. I remember, that was, that, that I remember ran, hearing about you know, this. Of, of, it was like a, I think I want to say it was like. It was Final Fantasy VI characters though on like the N sixty four like that it was just like oh surrender. that's interesting. So we but you know they they bailed two hundred and ninety six games is that right on the N sixty four that's what it says that I have that in my research 
I mean, that's not a lot at all. That's less than half of the previous. Consoles. I mean, if Switch doesn't pass that in the next year, I'd be surprised. It's a different time. They didn't have a digital platform. Games were expensive and stuff. But there was, there was. I don't think there was a lot of money being made on N64. And people have to remember at at uh, thirty. What is it? Thirty three million units sold. That means it got outsold three to one by PS One. It's just that there it's was interesting. But it did have a lot of ports as well. Late ports, like even like Mega Man, and they would just throw sixty four at the end of it. Like Mega Man sixty four was Mega Man Legends, for instance. Right. Exactly. They did they did that quite often. But I, I just think there's no question that the N sixty four is is a very weak console that was probably you know, comparably speaking, we're yeah. we're talking about, you know, in a relative relationship with these other things that was unmatched in terms of not being good until Wii and Wii U, which we're going to get into. And we also have, at least for me, I could say I have very little nostalgia for it. And I think a younger generation than you and I probably appreciate it more because it is pretty highly regarded from a retro collection. When this isn't our retro collection show, but it is pretty highly regarded and sought after. People collect for this thing. And it's, I mean, it is easy to get an N60. It's not easy financially because I know a lot of the rarer games, like some of the rare, what, Sculptor's Cut and stuff like that, they're, they're quite pricey. But I think the N64 has a, quite a, a following for collect for collecting. So there are there are a younger generation of ki- kids that are into it, young younger people that are into it. But for me, yeah. I can't put it up high. Next up, we can go one of two ways here. I'm going to actually go back to the handhelds and go to Game Boy Advance. Okay. Uh, Game Boy Advance came out 2001, summer 2001. Right. I remember remember clearly buying it. Dad brought me to Smith Haven Mall in Long Island to buy it. Nice. 80 million units sold about around there. Wow. The Game Boy Advance is interesting to me because it, A, I loved it. And B, it was cut short. And I don't really get it. Like, it ended up working out great because they cut it short with the DS. Right. And the DS was huge, twice as big as the, the GBA. In fact, but I thought the GBA was so cool. Like, I, I loved it. The problem, of course, was that, you know, we take backlighting for granted. Like, imagine having a tele or a, te- a telephone. Imagine having a cell phone <laughs> that is not backlit, right? Right. The original Game Boy Advance, the, the Arctic white one and the purple one, sure. were not backlit. And. I, I remember, I remember, I remember buying that. it at launch, and I bought uh, Super Dodgeball, and I bought Castlevania's Circle of the Moon, and you couldn't see Circle of the Moon unless you were playing like under a lamp because of that dark gothic aesthetic of Castlevania. Great game. That is. A but good when game. the clamshell came out in 2003, SP. that came out alongside Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, I want to say. I went to Target and bought Pokemon Ruby and the, the clamshell, and it was finally backlit, and you finally didn't have to put batteries in it. So GBA is this evolutionary... Right before our very eyes, this missing link between the old way and the new way. Yeah. It, it, it introduced color, like real color, not like this weird gradient thing that Game Boy Color was u- using, but this real color palette, natively running on it, but no backlight, put batteries in it, AA batteries. And then two years later, the same console is half the size. You can plug it in like a cell phone. Yeah. And it has a backlight. Huge. And... That's when it happened. Yeah. That's the transfer period to when that was what was accepted. But again, I find it so strange that they cut it off like that. The GBA has a fantastic library it does. of games. Beautiful games. Really, really, really great games. And as I said earlier with Circle of the Moon, I think the Castlevania games are superior. They're so good. And obviously that bleeds into DS as well. But it was the first time and we, we could rely on almost a yearly Madden-like release, an EA Sports-like release of Castlevania games. Yes, and but it had it, it used to get ports that Sega heavily. Um, I was just gonna say that heavily got in on That's it. That's when so they what, got in on it. So what do you remember about what do you remember and feel about GBA? I love the Game Boy Advance SP. I, I think it's one of the greatest handhelds. I almost brought it with me on the plane today instead of my DS. 
I still play it regularly. Does yours hold the charge? Yeah, holds the charge fine. That's really remarkable. Yeah, it holds the charge fine. I could play for hours on that thing. And I, I guess I went for a long time not playing it, but yeah, I'm super into it. I'm super into so many great games on it. Like you, so many great ports, so many great Zelda games. I love Minish Cap. So Minish like, Cap, you introduced me to Minish Cap. We oh, were at, I did. We were at Dana's, our sisters in okay. Virginia, when I was in college, and you brought it with me, with you, and let me borrow it because I didn't have any money at the time. That's like an, a forgotten Zelda game. It's so good. It's really interesting the mechanic of getting small in it and stuff. Oh, really it's beautiful. But I really feel like you know people talk about Zelda, the original Zelda, Adventures of Link disparage usually, but people like it or talk about it. At least. It's remembered. Link to the Past, Link's Awakening on Game Boy. Yeah, um, powerful game. I actually don't like Link's Awakening at all. And then you kind of have this this lull until you get to the N sixty four games and so on and so forth. But Minish Cap comes out and it's kind of just. No, is, I don't remember anyone really talking about it. Yeah, it's forgotten ish. No, you're right. No. Great, great. I, I love it. I have such great memory. That's when I really started. I um, linked on to that because I had a Game Gear. Never really got into it. You know, I would just kind of cur- move through cursory. All right, let me grab a couple of games, play Columns, play a Sonic game, whatever. That was the first handheld I really had that I actually started getting a lot of games for. And I, you know, I got s- s- such amazing games for it. You know, Treasure made like an amazing library of games for it, like Gunstar Heroes and stuff like just gorgeous like game just gorgeous games you know yeah i can't say enough about it i think but you're right they were moving towards the d they were moving towards the other model the dual screen model so they were quickly racing past it by the time the sp came out it didn't it wasn't around long you're right about that no i mean it was it was literally a year and a half or so I would say after, the, half. after the clamshell came out that the ds came out now the written people might remember that nintendo's original intention with gamecube gba because uh, GBA and GameCube talk to, talk to each other. Yeah. The the idea that GameCube, GBA, and DS could live together, they call that three pillars. That was the idea was that all... Because th- people were like, what are you doing? And, yeah. people, and they were like, we can... All three of these can live. And it didn't work out that way. And I don't think that that's... That was super unpredictable uh, because the DS came in and, and cleaned shop and uh, was really a whole nother, another level of impressive to me. Yeah. But I feel like the GBA was this little engine that could. And I was sad that it... Uh, it didn't last long. It was it was really that one example of an NES piece of NES hardware that just was snuffed out, and it didn't. I don't think it got its long tail. I think it reached it reached like you know midlife, and then it wasn't that people were releasing G. You know, publishers were releasing GBA games in two thousand five, yeah, maybe even two thousand six, but it was def, maybe not even two thousand six. But it was definitely a. It was just snuffed out of existence. That's kind of sad. It is. Beautiful piece of hardware. Yeah. And Great I, quality. Gorgeous. It was. It was a nice piece of hardware. It was really solid. solid. Like, I think way more solid than the uh, DS. Now, the, when they did the DS redesign that was tight and small, that came out in like 2007 they or so, that was a different story. And we'll get into that in a minute. But yeah. Yeah, shout out to GBA and a really and a really great catalog of games and, and, and really sticking with the old cartridge model. Now, obviously, DS models and 3DS models to this day still use a form of a card but it's not really a cartridge it's not a cartridge that was the last one right that was the last iteration of a cartridge yep i like those little tiny cartridges let's jump back to uh now digging the uh console space and talk about gamecube okay gamecube came out 2001 fall 2001 i was a senior in high school i remember i got it day one i was all over it yeah and uh, and it came out 2002 in other parts of the world europe etc it it only sold around 21 million units it got clobbered by its competition. Yeah. Absolutely clobbered. Here's the thing about GameCube. I think it's great. Okay. I think the GameCube is just fantastic. Yeah. And PS2, I had PS2 at launch too. 
they came out. It came out a year earlier. And uh, mom, uh, as I've told the stories, bought it for me at GameStop. And I don't remember at the time, P- PS2s were so supply constrained that to, GameStop would only sell them to you if you also agreed to buy a game, a controller, or a memory card, and a warranty. Really? So it was 500 bucks. Holy shit. And mom bought it for me, and it was like my birthday and Christmas present. Like, I didn't get anything for Christmas. Like okay. Here. But we were talking earlier before the show started. PS2 got this real, got to a really slow start. It wasn't until... I mean, there were early games that I liked, like like uh, The Bouncer I liked. I think that game is somewhat underrated. Yeah, it was a fun um, game. Animusha was really, really great. And, and then it started to kind of hit its stride. I think GameCube came out and was just way stronger out the gate a year later in 2001. Okay. And, it, it, and, and in the first few months, I think Luigi's Mansion is a great game. But it had uh, it had Smash Brothers, and to me, I I feel like it's it's just super super special and worth a lot of praise. And I know that you were not super familiar with it, right? That's the Nintendo console, the least in my wheelhouse. But I know you know. But I do you, you have know, one? I do have one. You know, like, you know, like everything, I got that really late as a retro collector. But an important console. It was Nintendo's foray into disc, right? Um, I love But a those. bastardized version of it. Bastardized heard version of it. A lot. Very just licensing DVDs. Right. They had to do it God their forbid, way. God forbid you license the DVD format. <laughs> they had to do it their way. Yeah, and an impressive, really an impressive library of games. My context of the GameCube really comes through you because you had it. And I remember playing it in, in your room at Dad's house. I didn't have one until much later. I think I probably got my GameCube 10 years, not even 10 years ago. So, yeah, but def- definitely an important console. And definitely, for me, I put it above the N64 for sure. Like, it's, oh yeah, uh, you know, the library of games alone. But I was a, I was a big PlayStation guy, big PlayStation 2 guy. So that was what was taking up my attention at that point. Well, I think that that for me, Dagan, that generation, so so PS2, yeah. uh, GameCube, and Xbox was the the example of a generation that lived most in harmony with me and and with the consoles with each other. That's a great generation, and to, to have oh all God, three so all three consoles because they were doing three different things and they were going in three different directions. Um, I actually have a lot of love for the original Xbox too. I think that's a really forward thinking, amazing console. One that was basically saying like. Uh, you use an Ethernet cable. Yeah. We have an internet service. Like, uh, you know, Xbox Live was launched in 2002, 16 years ago. Very wow. revolutionary wow. sort of thing. That is a long time. On yeah. the back of a Dreamcast that made you uh, use dial-up. Yeah. It was it was a revolution. A lot of yeah. people didn't have a lot of people didn't didn't have on high speed internet in 2002. No. Nope. Uh, or 2001 when the console launched. But that's no, the only it, way you can get online with it. And uh, so that was a really interesting thing for Xbox, and I think PS2 obviously had this more mainstream thing locked down, the DVD format, and a lot of third-party support, and some pretty strong first-party support as well. And then with GameCube, I think obviously fantastic first-party support, and I will say this, I think the GameCube controller is the best controller ever. I was just going to bring that up. That's a They got back to a good controller. They learned their lesson. It's an amazing ergonomic controller. It's beautiful. It fits perfectly in your hands, at least in my hands. And underrated. Not a lot of people talk about that. Yeah. It's Perfect. You know, really, really a high, a high, one of my favorite controllers. Yeah, it's sure. a beautiful. It's a beautiful controller. The the sticks are nice, uh, the triggers are great, and you know, it, it's like asymmetric in a way. Not not in terms of its mold, but in terms of its button placement. Like there's that weird trigger button only on the right. And yeah. So there's like weird quirks. Yeah. Again, Nintendo. But uh, and obviously Nintendo. the the disc format was I think it was a huge blunder, and I think it really hurt the GameCube. Because I think a lot of people would have bought GameCube just for the DVD player for- format if they just were willing to exactly willing they, to do it. Just they, like I mean, now you can say that I think Xbox played DVDs and you know Xbox barely outsold GameCube, so it's not like that works okay. for them. But Nintendo's a different brand. But I think people couldn't justify 
justify. They could, I mean, they they couldn't justify this this idea of of these parallel consoles that one seemed so much more dynamic than the other. And I think the PS2 was that. It was just a more dynamic and interesting console. How much did the console cost at launch? I want to say it was only two hundred bucks. Okay, one ninety nine. Okay, I think so. All right, that's reasonable. Actually, I think so. I okay. should know that, but I think it was cheap. Yeah. So because yeah, cool, uh, PS2, cool I think was three hundred dollars at launch. Okay. And I think by the time the GameCube came out, it probably still was. So it was it was a, an affordable thing, but I think GameCube had until Twilight Princess, which I wasn't a fan of really, but so 2006. But there were GameCube games steadily coming out, and there was good third party ports. It had a lot of support. It was the last Nintendo platform. That maybe you could say the same thing about Wii, but a Wii was really all about shovelware and different iterations oh of games, like yeah. scaled down versions of games. GameCube had at parity ports of lots of games. Definitely, they had a lot of support. What's your top? Can you give me what's your top five on the GameCube? Uh, let's see. I, I so uh, this is an, an unpopular thing to say. Okay, but Super Mario Sunshine is, I think, a like really that. great game. It's a good game, and I I don't understand. I don't quite understand why people uh, disparage yeah, it so it's much. Weird. I don't so, know. So I want to give a shout out to that. I would uh, Super Smash Brothers obviously yeah. would, would um, that's huge. You know, Melee would be up there for me. That's a biggie. I loved Wind Waker. There's a lot of revisionist history about Wind Waker. I love Wind Waker. They I remember people used to call it Zelda, C E L D A, because <laughs> of the cell shading on like game facts and stuff like that. Like people hated that game, and I remember getting it and being like, "This is awesome! It's one of my this favorite, great game, one of my favorite games." So I would definitely put that up there. I would put, um, like I said earlier, Mario Golf Toadstool Tour was. Awesome! What a okay. great, great game. Don't know that game on uh, GameCube. And then I, fit, I mean, I could fit a million games in there. What comes to mind for me uh, is Beautiful Joe. Oh right, I forgot about that game. Is a really, really great game. So I think I would probably give it to that. That was a good. Have one. some third party love. That is a Capcom game. Yes, of course. That did come to PS2 eventually, I think. But uh, it was that was like one of those. You know, Resident Evil Four was the GameCube exclusive. I was just gonna say. I remember Capcom saying that they would never release GameCube or uh, Resident Evil 4 off of GameCube, that it would be a GameCube exclusive. Something about chainsawing their heads off, their own heads off, if if it ever came out on PS2. And then lo and behold, wow, it came out on PS2. Because that was a game that really didn't fit on GameCube. It was was awesome. I remember being so impressed. Also, Resident Evil 0 was native to GameCube, and that's a really great game. And the ports of like Code Veronica and stuff. So there was a lot of really, it was a more dynamic platform than a lot of people give it credit for. And I think it's a really, really, really cool game. Or a cool console. And and I understand why people don't like it. And I understand that it sold softly. It was outsold, again, soundly like 7 to 1 by yeah. PS2. So it was not even a contest. And the PS2 domination certainly sucked a lot of oxygen out of the air. But I, I think that people that haven't given GameCube a chance should. Okay. I really think it's a great console. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's jump back to the handhelds now. All right. And talk about DS. All right. Now, DS came out in 2004 in the States and Japan, 2005 in Europe and some other parts of the uh, the world. 150 million units sold. Wow. So depending on how you look at the numbers with PS2, PS2 and DS are basically tied. And those numbers, wow. are, I think, are unattainable. That's unbelievable. I don't think anything's going to get any close to that, anywhere close to that. That's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. So... I remember my memory of the DS is very specific. I didn't play it at all. Okay. When it came out, 2004 and 2005, I was on jury duty, and I knew this guy at Harvard that I was friends with, and I was bored of jury duty and whatever, and and he lent me his DS with New Super Mario Brothers. I was just enamored with it. I was like, this is such a sweet handheld. This is such a great machine, and yeah. I fell in love with it. And there's such an extensive catalog, Dagan, of games on that on that thing. It's huge. released until a few years ago, really. Yeah, and 
it sold for a reason. It, it had a taste of mainstream success, obviously, just like the Wii. So people like were buying it for brain age. Older people, parents were buying it for these weird reasons. Right. And there was weird kind of experimental games like Nintendogs on it. And then there were, but but apart from all that stuff that doesn't matter to me at all, was this really great core catalog of, of core games. You know, I think of Professor Layton. I think of Phoenix Wright. I yeah, think of yeah. these really, really unique, quirky games that DS just was so, it just fit so perfectly. And it was such a nice taste in many ways of Japan in the States. Yeah. And the format led to inventiveness and coming up with new stuff. Sure. You know, hence those kind of games. Yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, I had a very similar trajectory with that. I wasn't, it was probably 2004, 2005, a guy at an animation studio I was working on at, had it. And I was like, let me check this out. And I was just, yeah, I was smitten by it. I was like, what? I have to, I have to get into this. This is, this, this is amazing. It was such a, it seemed like a, I, as much as I love the Game Boy Advance, especially the SP, I, the, the jump from that to the DS was like, what? Unbelievable. It was night and day, you know? It was certainly dynamic in the sense of the, the way you control the stylus. This it was one of those Nintendo examples of forcing you to look at games in a different way to force yeah. you to kind of split your attention between these two screens. It's not that every game used the screen intelligently. No, no, no. Sometimes it was just a menu or a map. Exactly. But with that kind of stuff, with a Castlevania game, for instance, having the map there permanently, I'm like, this is really a a, a really amazing and interesting way to play a game. Yeah, by it's giving immersive. you kind of two interfaces. I was always so impressed with just again, it, it's one of those things where we kept getting a procession of games for many years that there was no lull no gap no quality dip really there was a lot of quality content on yes that, on that yes. a lot and again another example of this underpowered hardware that just seemed to work it didn't seem to matter because it's relevant here because the psp comes out around the same time right and the psp again this far superior hand, uh, handheld from a technological standpoint it, it, it connected to the internet in a coherent way it had a lot of games on it as well and and i'm not disparaging the psp at all because i like the psp i love the psp actually and the psp sold 80 million units so that's no slouch right no, no, no. At, at, all. Not uh, at all but it's so funny how nintendo just bodies its competition again and again sony had this thing that sold 80 million and its competition just happened to outsell it by two to one isn't that so funny how that happened that's an incredible sony must have been so frustrated at the time probably happy with their own success i'm sure they made money and, and right psp lasted and lived for a long time in fact until a couple of years ago psp was still a pretty popular handheld okay. in japan psp games still regularly released regularly charted uh, over there uh, in japan but to me I look at the competition between the two and I'm like, there is no competition. There's no contest here. The PSP is a, a great handheld and I loved it. But man, the 3DS, or I'm sorry, the DS was just this beautiful machine. And we talked about how it snuffed out the GBA and how sad that was. And it was yeah. sad. But again, it was just this advancement of gameplay, this advancement of control styles and, and expectations of your of the way you interface with a, with a handheld. And, and um, I remember being really pleased when I lived in Boston because I was in college when the DS came out, seeing you know seeing it proliferate on trains and people playing it. Yeah, people actually playing it. People and numbers play it out, right? 150 million units is a lot of units. Yeah. And again, a beautiful piece of hardware, you know, so well made, felt felt so 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 right in your hand and just a design to be immersive. You know, I always felt that inherently with it. And that graduated into the all the current iterations. Sure. Of, you know, sure. of sure. their handhelds. So I I think that the DS is a is certainly up there for yeah. me, and I think will live on in the hearts of gamers uh, around the world for a long time to come because I think it 
it it had that advantage of being on top and being important for so long. We're talking about like seven years or so of relevance, of real relevance. So not nearly as long as the original Game Boy, but a consist unlike the original Game Boy, a consistent attention paid to it that I think allowed it to capture the hearts and minds of lots of different people. And so it, because of its long tail, I think that uh, obviously, again, the sales numbers play this out, but I think in many ways, it's just one of those things that's embedded deep in us. Yeah, I hear um, you. As gamers, and I, I think it's going to be hard to shake that. All right, let's go back to the console space now. Okay. And talk about the Wii. Oh, boy. 2006, the Wii launched worldwide. About 100 million, a little more than 100 million units sold. Okay. The Wii is not only with Nintendo consoles, but in terms of gaming hardware generally for me, is the biggest example of hindsight educating you and fixing your perceptions of something after the fact. The Wii is not a very good console, and it doesn't really have an enormous amount of good games on it. Right. And it, I'm not saying that because it was a mainstream console. I'm not saying that because it sold so well. It was part of this this bubbling 2006, 2007, 2008. Everyone was playing Wii. Everyone was all about Wii. I'm not, I'm not even disparaging or, uh, the, the, the motion controls. Right. I simply feel like it's not up to snuff. It's an experiment that went well in one way yeah. financially, but in another way failed to capture the hearts and minds of hardcore gamers that bought lots of games. So it's impressive to see its sales numbers of games that did really well on it. Mario Kart, for instance, it's like 30 million units. That's that's almost a, a, a you know, one in every three owners of the console owns that game. It's really impressive. That is. And obviously some really fantastic games are on it. Oh, the yeah. The Galaxy games, for instance, are superb. They're some of the best. And I think Smash Brothers Brawl was always, for me, the best Smash Brothers game. And I know that oh, that's really unpopular. Yeah. But I love that game. So I, I'm not saying, again, that we didn't have anything impressive. And obviously Metroid Prime 3 was great. And there was, there was Zack and Wiki was really good. Skyward Sword. Not, I'm, not, I'm not a huge Skyward Sword fan. Okay. And that was... I'm not a huge fan as far as the Zelda Pantheon, but it's still a good game, no? Sure. Yeah. No, yeah, and people, I, I didn't give it a 10. So to me... I feel like there's just this uh, this weird, again, it's like this weird double-edged sword of saying, like, we have this innovative new way to play. Yeah. It's in everyone's living rooms. Your grandma's playing it. She's bowling. You might have it. <laughs> You're playing right. something a little more hardcore, an adventure game like Zack and Wiki, for instance. But I feel like it just lasted and kind of just dwindled. Like, it was really about three explosive years. Yeah. When Red Steel was coming out, when even the Conduit and these other games were coming out. But then I feel like it just kind of... Well, early on, did you like the Wii sports games? Did you get into them? No, I, I, you weren't it, was, it, it reminds me a lot of the way you feel about some early PSVR games where this is cool. Right. It's cool for a minute. It's, you're showing off what it can do. Yeah. I just felt like the Wii was one of those things that time is, has not and will not be kind to. And I think that this is where people feeling like they're stockholders in a company and actually being a gamer are two separate things because people okay. like, look like, well, look how great it did and yeah. look how much money Nintendo made. I'm like, why do you care? Right. Was it was it good? Britney Spears sold a lot of records in 1998, 2000. Is she, is she the best musician ever? Yeah. Um, so so I, I, I don't know. I don't know how, if you feel the same, but I feel like the, the Wii had some interesting things. Virtual Console was a huge strength, for instance. That's a huge boon. But I, I just feel like it's it's just so unimpressive in hindsight, which is what made the Switch, I think, so refreshing because you can already tell with the Switch, even in its embryonic state, that it's it's going to age and be so much better yeah. than the last two things that were released. <laughs> I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I think a virtual console, you got to give points for the virtual console, though. 
I mean, I'll get into more of the virtual console when we talk about our state of retro gaming uh, discussion. But yeah, that was a huge thing for me personally. That got me into retro gaming again, basically. That was the whole impetus for me getting into retro gaming was that like what like oh my god I forgot about this stuff really I'm going I'm going all in you know but that's very specific to my experience I'm trying to think of more games that were it's funny I think we I think we mentioned them all yeah I mean there I mean there are a lot I don't want there's a lot of games in the library you know I I I understand and that's why I brought up Red Steel and the Conduit and these games that people and the Conduit too, as well. People, the games sure. that you know that a hardcore audience enjoyed and liked. There was a game called Endless Ocean that I was actually really enamored with, which was just just this peaceful, tranquil undersea exploration game that I okay. really enjoyed. There, there, there are examples of these games, and, and again, there there are this this small pantheon of fantastic experiences on there that can only be played on there. I mean, Galaxy is just an enormously oh my god, it's just so a, good. It, I remember playing that and being like, wow, this is so good. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And so the gameplay is unbelievable. But in that game, you know, well, and I don't, I, I, you know, we brought up virtual console, which is great. Yeah. And, and I also want to give them credit for innovating. You know, the, the motion controls work sometimes like, and they weren't unintrusive. The idea of having the separated console with a kind of plugged in nunchuck. Yeah. That kind of did work in some games. It, it did. did. And, and you didn't think about it. Like uh, galaxy is a great example of that where I'm like, this feels fine. Yeah. I have no problem playing. It was like good this. in that game. Sure. But there was a lack of control without having two sticks, and there, which was really the standard in the previous generation, nonetheless in that generation. And there was also this weird online system that wasn't really up to snuff. Sony obviously wasn't free of this either. People might forget that Sony was so oblivious to what was going on on Xbox Live and where everything was going yeah. that the original PlayStation Store was rushed onto the PS3, and it re- originally ran on a browser. Okay. Because it wasn't wow. even a program that ran on the PS3. That's I mean, that, amazing. So I'm not I'm not I'm not alienating and isolating Nintendo is the only one that didn't get it. Microsoft right. was really the only one that got it. They all with had achievements and with Xbox Live and with all those things, they were the only ones that got it. Yeah. And everyone else copied them, or at least yeah. Sony did. And that was smart business. So I again I don't want to make it seem like Nintendo is just this backwards weird. No, company. no, you're right. Yeah, totally. But the motion control thing was a cool thing, but it was a gimmick. And I think that's it's it's ironic because with the Wii, I really feel like they got this thing into the wild because of it. And grandma bought it and she was bowling, like I said earlier, and everyone's doing their thing and playing it. But I also think it was the reason why it had no legs. So what you have to ask yourself is, would you have rather reached 100 million that way or would you rather reach 100 million by making a compelling game console? No, I hear you on that. Yeah. But it also begs the question, would it have been possible for them to reach 100 million with a game console? And the answer is probably not. That's so, a good point. So again, this is the separation between the gamer and the businessman. Double the gamer and the, and the stockholder. Sure. I just think that the Wii, when the more I was so excited when I got the Wii, and in fact, I bought you your Wii too. I, I was just gonna I, say it was impossible to get. Yeah, I, when I when I got mine from a friend that worked in Nintendo. Okay, that they have a Nintendo employee store, and oh, okay. and he went and got it for me, and mailed it to me because awesome. I couldn't find it with Metroid Prime Three. And there's a picture of me. Uh, maybe I'll make it the thumbnail of this video. I probably not because it's probably not very high res, but. So I was excited about it, and okay. I loved it. And people make fun of me, you know, because I was actually playing third-party games on it because I was such a Nintendo fan that, which is lost on so many people. I was such a Nintendo fan that I was literally like, I'm gonna play third-party games that were on PS3 and Xbox 360. I'm gonna play them on Wii. Yeah. And then eventually, in like 2007, 2008, I'm like, this is awful, you know. So, so that ended real quick. Yeah. So yeah, it's a little bit of both, right? Yeah, totally. All right. 
There's two more things for us to get into. One more handheld, one more console. 2011 brings us 3DS. Yeah. 3DS is still relevant, still alive. 70 million units, a little more than that, I think, sold. Okay. To me, this is the idea of a rejuvenation of something that seemed dead and then lived and lived and lived and lived. Folks might not remember or might not be familiar with the fact that when 3DS came out, it was a thud. That thing sucked in 2011. The games were awful. There was nothing to play on it, and it was dying. Wow. That was 2011? Yeah. Okay. It was, it was, it was, I, remember, I remember when we got it at IGN. I remember when the reviews were going up, and no one seemed to care. It was just there was nothing to play on it. It didn't seem to be a coherent vision. This 3D gimmick was stupid. And, People were leery of that. You know, I always played with the bar down to the lowest setting, so there was no pop. I was like, I don't need this. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Weren't interested But in they really turned it around. And I, I wish that people acknowledged more how bad it was in the beginning and how that makes what Nintendo did with it that much more impressive. I owned one, or I own one. I didn't play too many games on it, so I'm, it's probably the, actually the piece of hardware on here. Wii U and 3DS, we're going to talk about Wii U, are the ones where I was like, I give up on you guys. I just, I, I, <laughs> you're, I not, really, you're not doing it. Yeah, I'm just like, I don't really you know. I'd, I'd play a few games on each. Okay. So I'm going to rely more on you on this, but what are your feelings on 3DS? I didn't have an early experience with it because I got my first I got my first 3DS I guess 3 years ago, so 2015, maybe it was 2014, I'm not sure. So by the time I bought it, there were a lot of games in, out already for it that I was interested in and I I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very, very casually though. It's not like I was hardcore into it. My kids are very into it. They both um are very into it. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I mean, I, I can't believe it's it's very it feels the whole thing feels very Nintendo with them finding ways to reinvent it through, you know, excitement through software, excitement through IP. They introduced the Amiibo thing. So it seems like it's it's funny how they always come on. T- they come out on top in the handheld handheld space, you know, and it's all through software. And a lot of it's through their own software, their own first party software, you know? Yeah, it all seemed to work out. Like it all seemed they turned it around with the Mario Kart release early on. Yes. This was this was the genius of it to me too, was the Vita was about to come out. I famously wrote a piece that the Vita was gonna beat the three DS. People still bring it up and make fun okay. of me about it today. When did the Vita come out? What year? It was late two thousand eleven in Japan and early two thousand twelve in uh, Okay. In, so it's been in, it's been in, that long. In the okay. States and, and in the West. Okay. The 3DS really is this just impressive machine that this little this little engine that could yeah. that again underpowered even for its time and just still hasn't gone away and really ha- is quite complete with its catalog in terms of its experiences whether you're looking for a side scroller or kind of an action game I love that uh, Gunvolt uh, those Gunvolt games are awesome oh I gotta instance, play those uh, by any creates there's there's a little you know Fire Emblem and and Zelda and there so it is it is first party but it. It also is like this robust third-party catalog that I think has kept it going and really impressed people. It's almost like a – it's obviously a platform in and of itself, but it's almost like the self-contained experience where people really get many of their games and do much of their gaming on that yeah. platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And me as a console gamer and a PlayStation guy more uh, these days in the last 10 years really, it's hard for me to look at that thing and be like, this is strange. <laughs> you know, like I, I – because – it's not like Game Boy to NES anymore. It's not like Game Boy Color to N64, Game Boy right. Advance to GameCube. Like we are talking about a pretty 
staggering difference in power and ability and therefore in games and gameplay between something like uh, the Switch and something like the 3DS or something like the 3DS and something like the PS4. Right. You know, the PS4's catalog by and large would never work on the 3DS. Most of it wouldn't even work on the Switch. So we're, we're talking about very different kinds of games, very different kinds of game makers. Big difference. Different hardware, different intentions. Yeah, different style. But I, I give the 3DS credit. I think that, you know, it's certainly my least favorite of the four handhelds. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And that's simply because of a lack of experience. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe if I had experience, I'd still feel that way. You might still feel that way. But I, I just, that was when Nintendo, re- I mean, that came out at a time when I was like, I'm really quite done with you now. Yeah. And that's why it's so nice to see the Switch kind of have this Nintendo resurgence and Nintendo kind of finally get it again. And I'm so surprised by how much I love the Switch. Because I'm like, oh, you uh, have something here that makes sense and uh, play. Now, it plays games, but I'm, I'm wondering what, what it's going to look like in 2019, 2020 when the new consoles are out. Yeah. Then what? Because Switch is not even really capable of playing like Doom at 60 frames a second, which PS4 does fine. So right. imagine what PS5 is going to do. It's um, pretty crazy. To think so there, that might be a problem for it. But, you know, w- going back to 3DS, I think that it's... Uh, it lives in the hearts and minds of people for a reason. Yeah. You can't really ignore that. 70 million units don't lie. That's not like a fluky kind of thing. We, we, we no. can look at the Wii's 100 million and maybe made the case that that is a fluky sort of thing, but it's not. It's simply because of a powerful early and mid-launch and uh, scarcity that made it seem like you had to buy one. Right. And that was intentionally done. You know, that, that whole strategy. They um, hang their hat. You know, Nintendo just continues to hang their hat on fun, originality, and quality. And... You could say whatever you want about Nintendo games, and of course they're underpowered compared to the modern consoles and all that kind of stuff, but that's what they do. That's what they do best. They know their strengths and they go with it. You know, it's they're very they've they've been very consistent. I mean, as far as that goes. As far sure. as in the handheld space. Sure. You know. I agree. They have one of the most I mean, a thing that's not said enough is they have probably the most brilliant creative director that ever lived in video games. And he's still running shit over there. He's not going to lose. And whoever he's training, the people like that are going to come up to fill his space, I mean, he's a brilliant man. You know what I mean? He's, I don't think enough could be said about him. You no, know? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a one in a generation, one in multiple generation mind and understanding of, of gameplay and game creation and creativity. Creativity. And, and drawing inspiration from the very specific things that has a, that have occurred in his life or the things he experiences. The, yeah. The way his childhood in the woods uh, influenced Zelda, for instance. Like, the, to be able to draw these almost mundane things into, you know, everyone plays in the woods. I didn't make Zelda. It's it's a It, it takes a mind and a, and a, a creative mind and an... And a, a genius that that is hard to replicate and uh, i think i think you're right like he he certainly had some duds and misses as a producer and a director and, sure. and weird things that were out of his control and, and things he tried that didn't really work you know we music is a good example of something nintendo mm. did and mm-hmm. that was just i was like eh, nice idea i guess but weird and right. not really effective and no one cares and right good try so but but yeah you look at that and yet you're absolutely right and uh hopefully and it seems like this is the case that Lots of people in that culture, the younger people, are learning and and are and then stay. And, and Japanese culture of loyalty at business and and kind of being lifers that that's still a thing that 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 happens there. And so you can get you can you can't guarantee anything, but you can rely upon the fact that you know the people that are there making games now will probably be there, have a good 
decent chance of being there in, in, in 20 I years. I love that. I love that. It's so refreshing to hear. You know what I mean? And so if they're good now, why wouldn't they be even better then? Sure. You know? And maybe that's yeah. and then maybe that's what we're seeing with the evolution I love of that. Nintendo back into a, a... It's not that they were losing money. It's not that they were no. financially unstable. But I don't care about that because I don't own stock. I don't... I'm not looking at them from that perspective. It's interesting. I'm looking at more from a perspective of like, you guys are relevant again for the first time in a long time. And, and you guys were just not rele- that relevant for a while. It seemed like it wasn't going well for a bit. No. So. And that's because of the last thing we're going to discuss, which yes. is the Wii U. It oh, came out in 2012, 13 million units sold, already outsold by the Switch in 10 months. That's, that's just insane. It's, it's fascinating to me because... I remember when we got the Wii U at IGN, and I remember um, when we brought it home and we were playing a Zombie U, which is a Ubisoft exclusive that actually did come out a couple of years ago on, on the other consoles. And I was like, this thing sucks. Ugh. And I remember I remember very clearly reading forums and reading Twitter and social media and all this, and people just, early adopters being like, this thing's great, and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I'm like, this thing sucks, <laughs> and it's going to bomb. And after that, after that, you know, it sells, you know, half a million in its first day, and then that's it. And then it's and it's over. No, you know, it didn't have any compelling games or very few compelling games. It not at launch. It was like a Fisher Price toy. the The construction was poor. There was nothing about that thing I liked. Backwards online compatible, like what, especially at the time it came out, it just came out at such an unfortunate time. What year did it come out? Two thousand twelve. Two thousand eleven. Two thousand twelve. Okay. When it came out, what's so bad for it is that it came out like fallish two thousand twelve. Yeah, I remember that. Three or four months later. Sony comes out and shows the PS4 for the first time. And you're like, oh, <laughs> well then. Bad timing. You know? I mean, the PS3 and the Xbox 360 made it look bad enough. It was, But standing next to those consoles, you knew it didn't have a chance. Which is the one thing I'm concerned about with Switch. But it seems like Switch just has so much more resonance. And is just so much better that I think it's not going to matter as much. So you have much more, you know, I know your I son do. still plays the Wii U. I, yes, I played he's it really into it. Summer. Yeah. What do you think of it? Am I, am I being too harsh on it? You know, you know what the Wii U. I mean, we've all heard this. We've all we all know this already, especially those in the know. We Nintendo's marketing for the Wii was some of the worst video game marketing ever. It was terrible. For no, the original Wii. For oh, sorry, for the Wii. U. Okay. The Wii U for especially for those people outside the know. Nobody knew what the hell this thing was. I will tell you that the first year it came out, because that was 2012 to 2013. The first year of its life was a super busy year in my life with work. Work was super busy. I think I was doing a lot of freelance, and we bought our new house. So it was, and the two, you know, we have the two little ones. It was nuts. I wasn't paying att- very much attention to video games. So when the Wii U came out, I could honestly tell you I didn't know what the hell it was for a year because I really wasn't paying attention. It was like kind of on the periphery, and I was like, all right, what is this thing? I got to pay attention to this, but hold on, I'm gonna got to do all this stuff first. By the time I got to it, I was like, oh, this is a con- this is a console. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was an add-on, an HD add-on. I didn't know what the hell was going That's, on. That was a it. common problem. The right. name really hobbled it from terrible, the very beginning. Terrible. They didn't Huge do mistake. anything to help themselves with that. Yeah, my son, even with the Switch now and the DS and everything, still loves the Wii U. But I'll tell you, because there's a couple of key games that really, without these games, I don't think it would have been much at all. Now, there was really bad bombs like Star Fox, which I was super excited about. Star Fox Star- Zero. Yeah, terrible. terrible. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. I played it once. I played it exactly one time with my son for about an hour. And I was like, this is horrendous. And bought it, you know, a physical copy of it. I wanted it. It's a platinum so game too, isn't it? That's a platinum games made that game, did Yeah. Which is unbelievable. Yeah. Not a good not a good look. The control is just bad in it. I, I see what they were trying to do with it. 
and then a lot of little a lot of mediocre games like Captain Toad and all these other things. But the Mario Mario Maker, brilliant, brilliant. It's you can't say enough. I mean, two things that it the Wii U has going for it is, I mean, if you consider it the amiibo feature and Mario Maker. I mean, Mario Maker is such a good game, such an inventive game that I think it almost puts the Wii U up a little bit of a percentage just through that just through that specific software alone. But there's really not that much else to say about it, to be honest. I don't think I think it. You know, I think it kind of got what it deserved. You know, unfortunately for Nintendo. You know. Well, that's that's again what I think makes the turnaround so impressive because they seemed so down and out with yeah. that thing, where it was kind of sad. Because I, I have such a soft spot for Nintendo that you 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 don't want them to fail. I don't want anyone to fail. No, of course not. But you don't want to. You know, some sometimes people take pleasure in things not doing as well as their you know as the competitor or the thing they like or whatever. And I don't necessarily relate to that at all. But you don't want to see. Nintendo do badly because I think a, a vibrant, innovating, active Nintendo is good. Yeah, of uh, course. For the, for the industry and good for us as gamers. Yeah, their and, health is everybody's health. Exactly. In the industry. So with Wii U, it's like, wow, they... What 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 was so sad about it was how it seemed to portend this doom of console games. Yeah. Uh, and console gaming where everyone's like, oh, no. This thing following a hundred million seller is dying on the vine already. And the new PS4 and Xbox are right around the corner. They're right. fucked. And then that wasn't the case at all. PS4 and Xbox One to a lesser extent quickly outsold Wii U. Yeah. And yeah. it was it was this weird thing where it was like, wow, Nintendo's the one that's out of touch and they don't get it. And they made a huge blunder with this machine. Yeah. And so they corrected it. I think the Wii they U did. is easily, easily the worst piece of hardware that Nintendo has released. It's... I don't think it's and again, we're not talking about Virtual Boy. No, no. Specifically in the the parameters that we've set. It's no contest. To me, I agree with you. Mario Maker is a really cool game. Yeah, very cool. And I played it with your son when I was at your house this past summer, and He's I played so it many times. It. And he and it's fun, and, and it, I was enjoying it. I was like, yeah, oh, this yeah. is cool. And th- there are a few good games on it, but it, by and large, it's just it's just really not good. And uh, I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, I don't no, say it's I a hear piece you. of shit necessarily with nothing redeeming about it, but it's it's clunky. about as close as they got to a piece of shit with nothing good on it. Yeah, it's clunky. I don't think the quality, I think it gets a lot of shit for being bad quality. I actually don't my son beats the crap out of that thing. I don't think it's bad quality cuz it would be broken by now. But it is clunky. It's not elegant. It doesn't feel like, you know, both software and hardware. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like the same quality. It was almost like Nintendo was trying to get something out in between console iterations. That's what it feels like. It feels like a middle thing that they were squeezing out and kind of going against their whole ethos, which is a bad idea in business. You don't do that. But yeah, the, luckily with the Switch, they've obviously turned things around. Yeah, I think that they, you know, from my perspective, they probably cost themselves, I don't think they cost themselves success, but they cost themselves a few million units probably but with the name. And uh, I remember being like, what does that mean? It's really bad. We, marketing. you? The marketing's terrible. Why wouldn't you just move on with a different name? You never do this. You've right. never done this since the NES and SNES. It's right. Like, called Super Wii. That would have even been a better name. Yeah, you know? I agree. Because at least it would have been like, there's history here of like, we had a Super Nintendo. You're you doing what the, that yeah, was. So this doing... is on you if you don't understand what the Super Wii oh, is. Oh my God. Can you imagine how much shit they would have caught for that though? Like th- comparing that, you know, like the NES to the Super NES, the Wii. <laughs> like this. Oh my God. They would have got so much shit for that. Yeah, absolutely. But I think they would have gotten less shit. Um, <laughs> but it would have been a better idea. So I think, Dagan, now that we've gone through it, I mean, this, okay. is, this is my order. I don't know if you agree with this. Tell me. I have an NES, okay. DS, 
SNES, GameCube, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy, 3DS, Wii, Wii U. That's my order. So again, NES, wow. DS, SNES, GameCube, GBA, Game Boy, 3DS, Wii, Wii U. That's my order. Again, a totally objective order. You put the, the SNES in third place. Yeah. Wow. You're breaking my heart. I think that if you had... I appreciate well, your honesty. Not if you had to. If, if, I had yeah. to. if I had to choose DS or SNES, I would choose the DS. Okay. okay. If, wow. In other words, if someone approached me and said, like, you can, ha- you can play anything you want on yeah. this platform you can play anything you want have access to anything you want i'd take the ds yeah Definitely. see Colin, i don't always agree this is that's why this show is going to be interesting mm-hmm. but we disagree respect respectfully can my may I, I have my laptop here may i borrow your notebook i just want to see if i can make my order sure reading your... and while you do that i'm going to read a couple more uh messages from the audience here. oh please chris mooney okay has an interesting question about the n64 he says, for the retro gaming scene, a Nintendo mm. console episode, so he it could be either or, and I think this makes more sense with the Nintendo console episode we're doing now, so I'm reading it now, Chris. Okay. He says, if the N64 Classic ever happens, what 10 or 15 games would you have on the console? Wow. Taking licensing issues into considerations, which is a big point with the wrestling games. That's huge. An N64 Classic, which I think is going to happen. I think it's going to happen. I think you have to... First of all, there are a ton of first-party games. Not a ton, but, but a, a good portion of first-party games that you couldn't ignore. So I think, obviously... Mario 64 and the two Zelda games would be on there. And I think you would even find uh, Pilot Wings and stuff like that on there as well. Okay. You have to look at their relationship with the different publishers from NES and Classic and SNES Classic to kind of garner who they already have a working relationship with with these ports. And so I think Capcom and Konami would be on. Capcom's somewhat irrelevant in this space. Konami a little bit more yeah. relevant. They are. I think that the licensing issues that you brought up do make a big deal, though, uh, Chris, because I would assume that there are licensing issues with music that would be on like something like Tony Hawk. I think there would probably be character and, and imagery licenses that are up with the uh, N64 wrestling games, like I said. So it's it's almost hard. Like I would need to kind of dig through it. And I also think that my very subjective look at the N64's catalog with me liking the Castlevania games, me liking games like Hybrid Heaven, me liking games like that would kind of make my listing dubious with this. And I don't know, Dagan, if you uh, necessarily agree with that, if there's anything that you would add. Because I would really need to go through the catalog. If we're, if we're looking yeah. at the 10 or 15 N64 games, I really got to think about that. Yeah, I got to really dwell on that. It's a good question, though. I would definitely put GoldenEye on it. Yeah, GoldenEye. Again, and this is another licensing issue, which is why I didn't even say it. Yeah, GoldenEye. I would, That's I, the I, ultimate licensing issue. You can't even have that. I don't think you can. I, I will say this. You can't have an N64 collection without having GoldenEye on it. It's impossible. I wonder if they'll work it out. They how could. How could you do it? How could you do it? You have to just pay. Yeah, know? no. I mean, how can you not have it on there? It's like almost like having an Mario 64 not on it. Right. You know, it's not quite that bad, but pretty. They close. could. They could. I. I think it would be much more difficult. I wonder if they could just pull a Tyson the Mister Dream situation. <laughs> right. If Maybe. you, in other words, if you that Wouldn't game is so polygonal any- and so fucking ugly. Yeah. That if you just didn't call it 007 Goldeneye and removed that splash screen, would anyone have any idea? No. Like, Doesn't is matter. there anything in in that game? No. If you no. just made some minor tweaks, where everyone's like, "Oh, this is a." Absolutely not. Yeah, so I, I wonder if that would be an option. All right, give me before we do one last question, give me your list. Did you okay, my out? list is... Okay, I'm going to go... This was tricky for me between one and two, but I'm just going to say for now, NES, SNES, mm. Game Boy Advance, mm. Game Boy, mm. 3DS, GameCube, DS, 
Wii Wii U. That's a good list. That's a great list. You like that I can't one? argue with that list. Okay. All right. I respect I if you if I respect your respect. We have the top together and we have the bottom together. We have the bottom together. The bottom two are together. I mean, man, you jumble this up in a fucking cylinder uh, and, and, and and let some some of them drop out at the other end uh, in any order, and you're going to come up with something good as long as you don't have the Wii U in there. Absolutely. That's a good list, though, Dagan. Thank you, my friend. Adam Nixch has the final comment or question. This one's about the SNES. Hi, Adam. Okay. And I just wanted to... He had a memory. And I encourage people to kind of give us those memories as well. That's what we're Adam about. says, for the Nintendo console show, my favorite okay. is the SNES. So he gives a little more love to the SNES than... than well, he's actually kind of splitting the difference with us. Okay. Because this is his favorite. Okay. It's your second favorite. It, it, it's my third it's favorite. It's close. It's your third favorite. That's great. Yeah, that, that's good. That's I was good. very young when I got one. I don't remember the exact year we got it. But okay. I always remember going to the Target with my brother and using our combined savings to buy one. I will say this. So this <laughs> must have been in the early to mid-90s. Yeah. I don't... It's so funny. I wasn't even aware of Target. Me either. I always hear... I hear that lately. I didn't know Target until... I will be very honest with you. I didn't know Target, and I grew up. We grew up on Long Island. I mean, this is like home of the mini mall and box store. Okay, this is a suburb with lots of mini malls and stuff, and strip malls and all that. I didn't know Target until two thousand. I will say two thousand one. I had no idea what the hell. I think it was, it was a Midwestern thing. I mean, people were calling Target. Yeah, exa- exactly, because it was supposed to be like this upscale thing compared to what, right. whatever we had on Long Island. I had no idea what Target um, was, but okay. Yeah, no, no, I think it was, you know, they're, I think they're based out of Minnesota, and I think it was just a, a, a Midwest thing. Where did Adam, is it where? He doesn't say. What he says okay. is we were quite literally handing them quarters and nickels to round out the final few dollars okay. when he bought it. And then we got home and played Super Mario World for the first time. Nice. Just amazing. Will always be one of my all-time favorites. I, I, I totally agree with you. Super Mario World is not only... Uh, fantastic to play it's such a good game beautiful to look at oh my god it's deep it's super long there's a lot to do in that game and there are a ton of secrets it's very long so i really think that you know when i think and i've had this discussion in the past but i think it's very easily very easily the biggest best most dynamic packed in game ever released and arguably the best launch game ever released I can't think of a better one off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to really sit and think and parse through that, but I mean, I, I'm Oh, Altered confident. Beast. The oh, end. All, yeah, of course. The end. Dude, is there a <laughs> fucking worse game than Altered Beast? We were talking about Athena, and we no. were talking about Deadly Towers. Dude, it's the Altered slowest. Beast fucking sucks. It's so slow. Oh. I remember seeing it at like a demo in Macy's when it was the packing game, and they had a little demo with the Genesis, and... Graphically, it, it does. It looked to us then. It looked like an arcade game. So we were like, "What? This is this looks amazing." As soon as I picked up the controller and saw how lumbering it was, I was like, "Who would want to?" It's this is terrible. Rise from your grave. That was the pack-in with the Genesis before Sonic, right? Yes. So please tell me you didn't do that to people after Sonic. No, no. <laughs> That's what's so funny about it. the Genesis came out in '89, and it was just kind of it wasn't dead on arrival, but no one really cared. It, it just had a very small subsect of the, the yeah. market, just like Turbo Graphics. They did. weren't marketing it right, exactly. And and uh, even you know Turbo Graphics was even smaller. But it was when Sonic came out in '91, and they just it, it was like Genesis lived again. Yeah, I can see uh, that. That's a pretty unusual situation too. That I'm sure we'll talk about in the future episode. Because neither of us have a Sega pedigree at all. I, no. I I could give a fuck, to be honest, about some of that You're stuff. You're not a big Sega guy. No. My best friend was a big Sega guy, so... Yeah, PJ loved Sega. And, he and was really a big Sega dude, always. All through the games, all through the life of of Sega. I have this irrational... I think it's just from our childhood, maybe, but... 
this irrational like reaction when everyone's like Sonic is good and I'm like what <laughs> what universe um well that was fun so we we we, we got through we got, we got through, through we list. ranked them and I, I I the ranking was almost ancillary to the entire episode I like just talking through it it was nice to talk um, through to it. kind of remember all these things and again I think we have ourselves here like what eight nine ten episodes of the show that we could do in the future about all these different platforms absolutely that would be fun it would be it would be awesome um so that was it for us here on Knockback. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand if you enjoy the show. You can get access to exclusive episodes. You can get access to the ability to vote on topics for this show and other shows. Submit questions, comments, and concerns to this show. Early access. You can get this show six days early um, over at Patreon. So if you, want, if you like it and you want to show support and you have a few dollars to throw away, please do so. Please consider it. If not, please continue to enjoy the episodes for free. Uh, you can follow us on social media as well. I'm at No Taxation on Twitter and CLS Moriarty uh, on Instagram. Dagan is Dagan1973. That's D-A-G-A-N-1973 on Twitter. And Dagan likes to draw on Instagram. I was born in 93. Oh, now you're getting even younger. <laughs> you get younger with every episode. Oh, my God. It's so strange. <laughs> how, do you under, how do you know so much about these things? I'm so that, knowledgeable. I know. You, you bought the NES... Eight years before you were born. It's amazing. It's like Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for your support and your kindness and your generosity uh, with your time and all of that. We know that you have plenty of other options uh, for podcasts, and we appreciate you giving us a couple hours of your time with this show. We will see you next time for more CLS Knockback. Bye-bye. Collins Last Stand Knockback is fan-supported over at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. Joel Dape, Ahmed Alloways, Ray Ann Shinabarger, Eric Bartolotta, Martin Beck, Fred Bentz, David Blodel, Mark Boggio, Robert Bosch, Spencer Bran, Isaac Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Andrew Burkhart, John Burns, Alex Cabrera, Will Caldwell, Luis Cancato, Matthew Canoy, Cesar Cardoso, Shermore Carter, William Cashel, Enrique Cezina, Jay Shandarlis, Travis Chandler, Sean Chandler, Kenneth Char, David Chestnut, Michael Clancy, Benjamin Clark, Dan Clifford, Brad Cooley, Nick Cummings, Will Curry, Daniel Diamor, Daniel Delanicos, Drew Dixon, Luke Drake, Nathan Duong, Travis Ellison, David Ellis, Patrick Feeney, Eric Finkenbeiner, Michael Fior, Tyler Fitch, James Fitzpatrick, Mike Francis, Alexander Gates, Michael Gates, Eric Gee, Daniel Glassford, Ben Gluckman, Tyler Goodwin, David Gurley, Ryan Greenwood, Miranda Grubba, Andres Guzman, Dan Halligan, Tyler Harris, Christopher Hendricks, Wyatt Henry, Andrew Hess, Jordan Hood, Stephen Hopkins, Joshua Hunt, Steve Innerfield, Stephen Insler, Josh Yeager, Justin Yeager, Paul Joyce, Jeremy Key, Nathaniel Khalil, Alex Cloden, Troy M. Kuhn, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Juan Lesh, Jim Leggett, Patrick Leslie, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Josh M., Ryan T. Mandel, John McManus, Devin McMasters, Joe McPartlin, Albert Miranda, Alex Moans, Betty Ann Moriarty, Mark Morrow, Connor Nesbitt, Josh Netzel, Adam Nixch, Andrew O., Ramses Ortiz Estrada, Brian Ott, Jorge Palomino, Reed K. Parker, Todd Paxton, Brendan Peavy, Marius S. Peterson, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Christian Phillips, Lawrence F. Prokop, Eric R. Pryor, John Quinn, 
Daxish Rana, Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Tanya Renner, Alex Reyes, Peter Reynolds, Jonathan Rice, Austin Riley, Ryan Robertson, Ramon Rodriguez Jr., Petra Rose, A.G. Rowe, Michael Sanchez, Matthew Savoy, James Schmetz, James Schubert, Chris Schulte, John Scholes, Chris Schaefer, Mike Shaw, Toby Schutman, German Sidhu, Brian Silva, Alex Simmons, Riley Smith, Jordan Smith, Jared Swave, Alexander Suarez, Ahmed Tamar, Zachary Thompson, Gio Torres, Tam Tran, Michael Trees, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Troy Walters, Chris Wong, Aaron Watts, Michael Wells, Tyler Woodall, Benjamin Worrell, Jake Wochak, Corey Wyatt, James Zimmerman, Steven Stanchevsky, Tony Zuniga, Casual Misfits Gaming, Mad Mock Media, Beric, Mubarak, Tynamite, Bowen76, Chris, and Donk2015.